It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. The number is 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N. That gets you part of the show iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that is where you can find us. Also, make sure that you listen every single week over at Wanna Bet Weekend Edition, sportsgarden.com. You can go check that out there as well. All right, guys, look, let's get into it. Week five is right here. And the sports books, yeah, they reported their first losing Sunday. They actually lost last week. So we got to be very careful navigating through things this week because you know. They don't often lose twice in a row. All right, let's get right into it. We're going to get into all of the injuries, and the injuries are the kind of the the word of the day, we'll say. Last week, it was weather. What would the weather do? How would the weather impact things? This week, it's injuries, and it's injuries to big-time players, and it's not only just injuries. It's uncertainty and these injuries, and it starts off with the Colts and Broncos on Thursday night. Broncos are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Look, this is the injury game, right? Jonathan Taylor might come back. He wants to test the ankle. We're not sure. Game-time decision. He is a huge loss to the team if he's not there. Although he hasn't been performing like we thought he would, he is still the cog in the middle there. Javante Williams, torn ACL. He's out for the season for the Broncos. You would think Melvin Gordon would get the automatic carries. Well, he walked out of a press conference this week because somebody asked him about his fumbling issues. Mike Boone is a name to watch there. They signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad. So all kinds of injuries, plus Defensive leader and middle linebacker Shaquille Leonard will be out for the Colts in this one. We watch what happened when he's been out in the past. There's a big cog in the middle. Look, I think the Denver Broncos should be favored here, right? You look at this, but you say Indy does well on the road. They're 11-5 against the spread the last 16 games away from Lucas Oil Field. All right, well, you know, you look at that and you say they can travel well. Do you believe in Matt Ryan I don't think many people do at this point in his career, but do you believe in Russell Wilson and what you've seen? No, how can you believe in Russell Wilson at this point in the season either? Both of these quarterbacks have a lot to prove, and both of them should be relying upon a dynamic running game, but the running game is both backed up and, and banged up, and, and you know you could have a little bit of depth, and both of these teams have some depth, but their, their big-time running backs are gone, and as much as Javante Williams isn't Jonathan Taylor, I get that. People are going to write in, come on. But Javante Williams was a big target hog there, and he was somebody out of the backfield that they could rely upon. You can't do it. I hate this game. I really do. I'm staying far away from this one. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know who the Colts are. I thought for a minute that they were as bad as I thought that they were going to be, and then all of a sudden they have looked pretty decent. And they, they got a big win. All right, maybe they're a little bit better, even though I don't think they deserve that Kansas City win. They certainly deserve the Tennessee win. And the Broncos, well, the Broncos are just a badly coached team. There's nothing around that. But they're getting wins, and their defense is absolutely for real. You can argue their defense is the best in the NFL. Over in London, Giants, Packers, 3-1 and one against 3-1. and one. I can't believe I'm saying that. The Packers are about eight, eight and a half point favorites. The London favorites have been undefeated. They're 10-0-1 straight up in games that don't involve the Jaguars, right? So teams that travel there usually do pretty well. 
The question about this game is the New York quarterback situation. Daniel Jones looked good rolling out against the Bears last week. He had two touchdowns, ran all over them. Look, the Giants ran for 262 yards on the Bears. But Sterling Shepard is out. Daniel Jones didn't have anybody to throw to, and then he got injured himself. And he got injured on the leg, which is most of Daniel Jones' success has come running the ball. His backup, Tyrod Taylor, yeah, he's out as well. So we don't know. They're going to say Daniel Jones is going to try to start, but how much is his mobility going to be hurting with this? Yeah, this isn't a great situation. But everyone keeps doubting the New York Giants, who really still just can't score more than 20 points. But they're 3-1 and one against the spread. The Packers... Had an easy one last week. They should have dominated New England. New England was back, dealing with a backup to a backup to a backup. Uh, Mac Jones was down. Brian Hoyer was down. They went to Billy Zappi. Oh, here we go. No, New England ran all over them as well. Green Bay failed to cover. They are 20-8 and against the spread when they do lose a game and they come back against the spread. They do pretty well there. The, you look at what the Green Bay Packers did and uh, what they've now consistently have been had done to them is you could run on them. Barkley's been a one-man show, but it has worked. The Giants, though, their defense is pretty bad. They've allowed 5.7 yards per play. That's 19th in the league. They allow 5.1 yards per rush. That's 26th in the league. You could run on this team. The Green Bay Packers now, all of a sudden, they love to run the ball. They start to run the ball. They start to have a little uh, effort against the Giants. I think a lot of this depends upon Leonard Williams, who in the middle you can feel his presence if he's not there. If they are able to run the ball and control the tempo and control the clock, I think they could run away with this. New York has sacked the opposing quarterback only 2.3 times per game. That ranks 15th overall. And, oh, by the way, they grabbed Justin Fields down for a sack five times. So they're probably into the 20-25 range without that huge game. I think you have to like Green Bay here. I don't love giving the points to this Giants team that just seems to defy logic, and I need to find out about the injuries. The biggest line of the year up until this point is the biggest line, obviously, of this week. Bills are a 14-point favorite at home. They are 3-1. and one. Steelers are 1-3. and three. Steelers looked like they were going to win last week. Kenny Pickett came in. Tomlin made the change, injected a little enthusiasm into the team, and Kenny Pickett came in and looked good. Forget about the final stat line and what we saw with Kenny Pickett and the final stat line. Kenny Pickett looked looked energetic. He looked good. He found Fryermuth on a nice play. He he was aggressive, diving up the middle, getting that extra yard. Um, he did miss a wide open uh, uh, Jalen Warren out of the backfield. He did miss a, a a couple of good throws, but overall, you felt it with Kenny Pickett. Here it goes now, Kenny. Pickett is going to be the 19th quarterback to make his first career start against the Bills, the last one being Chad Henney in 2009. The ninth quarterback ever to start in Buffalo, last one was Dwayne Haskins in 2019. Here we go, Kenny Pickett up in Orchard Park, and he's getting 14 points. I mean, you got to be enthusiastic if you're Pittsburgh. But that defense was just terrible. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-7 the last seven games they played without T.J. Watt. The Pittsburgh Steelers with T.J. Watt, sacked the quarterback three and a half times. Without him, they sacked the quarterback one and a half times per game. It is a drastic difference, and you watch that in a fourth quarter where Zach Wilson had his absolute way with this. He was almost toying with this defense. Now come the Buffalo Bills. And look, the Buffalo Bills are in a spot where they didn't play well against Baltimore, but they got the win. They didn't necessarily play well the week before that, or they did play well the week before that, but they didn't get the win. They ran 90 plays against Miami the week before that, and they didn't get a win last week. They probably shouldn't have beat Baltimore, and they did. This is this Bills team. It's all going to even out because of their great offense. I will say this, though. The Bills are dealing with some injuries as well. Jameson Crowder went out of this game. He's the slot receiver. He is that cut-across receiver. He makes a lot of things work when he's in there. But Isaiah McKenzie had kind of taken over that role. Well, Isaiah McKenzie also might be out of this game because he's in concussion protocol, which means you're going to go with a rookie, Shakir, who is up and down. We're not sure about him. Gabe Davis has produced pretty much nothing. And if you are able to put Minka Fitzpatrick even in a double-teaming situation on Stephon Diggs, I think that the Buffalo Bills might have a little bit difficult time here. Well, a little bit more difficult than we thought. The problem is I can't have any faith in the Steelers' defense after watching that fourth quarter last week. I will say this, though. When the Bills win, they generally beat up on teams. Before last week's comeback win, and they won that game by three points, coming from behind, we know what happened there. They had won, the Bills had won, 24 consecutive games by double digits, or... 
they lost outright, right? So they either lost the game or they blew teams out by 10 or more points. 28 straight in the regular season. I think that this has that kind of feel here. You know, this this could very well be a get-right game for Buffalo, and you could say, get right, well, they're 1-1. One one. Yeah, but they haven't looked uh, really sharp. The problem is, is I do worry about some of these injuries. Let's go Chargers, Browns. You want to talk about a running game? Chargers are a three-point favorite over the Browns. Two and two, two and two. But Cleveland is coming off of a loss, and they were absolutely gashed on the ground. The Atlanta Falcons, between undrafted rookies, dudes off the street, Cordell Patterson was basically a wide receiver. They ran for 202 yards and two touchdowns on this Cleveland team. Now, a lot of that was because Miles Garrett was not in there with the car accident, everything that went on with Miles Garrett. A lot of that was because Jadavian Clowney was not in there. Jadavian Clowney is a great run stuffer. But the question remains this week, are either one of those guys going to be back? I would be very shocked if Miles Garrett is back and playing at 100%. These injuries that he sustained, they considered, look, they're not life-threatening. That's the first thing they said. If somebody tells me that something's not life-threatening, that means eh, it's not exactly good either, right? I would be very shocked if Miles Garrett is rushed back in a spot like this. Jadamian Clowney, maybe he comes back, but I expect both of these guys to be limited if they're back at all. Now, the Chargers don't run the ball. They don't even try to run the ball, really. Uh, but Austin Eckler getting out in space, you saw what happened last week. He ran, well, ran, caught, did what he did for three touchdowns. So you can kind of have a running game without actually the traditional turnaround handed off to a guy like Sony Michelle. The Chargers are 2-5 and five against the spread of the last seven games after a win, so they don't string a lot of wins together. And you look at Justin Herbert, as talented as he is, and as great as Justin Herbert has had an early career here, he's still three games under 500 for his career, guys. Now, this defense has been vulnerable against the run. The Chargers' defense have been gashed as well against the run. We have seen them, specifically James Robinson, went absolutely crazy on this team against the run. Joey Bosa is going to be gone for a while here. You're talking 8 to 10 weeks. Joey Bosa's absence, while we look at him as a pass rusher, well, yeah, that's also against the run. Uh, Khalil Mack is a great player, and potentially uh, one day, you know what, he might be going on to a ring of honor or a Hall of Fame, uh, but he can be beat against the run. Well, now here comes Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the number one running back in the league this year. He leads the league in rushing yards. He is now pushing Jamal Charles for the NFL's highest career yards per carry. That is a real thing. Jamal Charles it was just fantastic with the Chiefs. Well, Nick Chubb is putting up the similar same type of career right now. So, to me, this is going to be who, which defense is able to stop and I say the run game or the short game because I know that this Charger team doesn't run the ball a lot, but getting Austin Eckler out in space and flipping him the ball one yard past the line of scrimmage is as good as a run. Who's going to be able to turn the, turn this down and stop this? Do they take a Derwin James and put him on Eckler and spy him? Is that the philosophy that they're going to go with? Because you know what? Maybe that's the best thing to do, but if you do that, you can leave yourself over the top. This is where a Mike Williams has to step up. This is where a Palmer has to step up. This is where a George Jordan Everett has had a pretty good success here, uh, or, uh, you know, or Gerald Everett, I'm sorry, uh, as the tight end. He's had success, and we saw that last week. So they're going to have to do some creative things. I think everyone's jumping on this, and the early numbers that I saw was 70% of people on the Chargers minus the three on the road. I think everyone's jumping on this. I was on the Chargers last week. I think the Chargers are probably the right side here, but I think it's a little bit more tricky than people are giving this credit for. Texans, Jaguars, uh, the Jags played terrible last week. They played awful last week. They are still 2-2. Two and two. They are still a 7-point favorite here against the Texans. The Jaguars looked like pure garbage for most of that game last week, yet they only lost by a score. The Jags committed five turnovers. Trevor Lawrence fumbled the ball four times. He threw an interception. It was the worst game Trevor Lawrence has had. Trevor Lawrence lost four fumbles. He's the first quarterback since 1991 to lose four fumbles. And he's the first quarterback to lose three or more since Derek Carr in 2020. Okay? You look at what this team does, though. It was nasty. It was wet. It was rainy. They took on potentially the best team in the NFL right now. And they still were able to fight and fight and fight. And they used different guys. Look, Christian Kirk didn't have a good game. James Robinson didn't have a good game. Travis Etienne didn't have a good game. Okay? Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good game. Yet they were still in this because of this tremendous defense that I continue to keep talking about. Houston, they've had a little bit of success here and there. Okay? And, and you know, you don't 
always just look at the scoreboard and say, sure. But Houston's 2-1-1 one, one against the spread, or 3-0-1, uh, oh, depending on uh, where, or 3-1, I should say, depending on where, what line you got. The Texans have been cashing money, and here you go. It's a divisional matchup. They're getting a touchdown again. Pierce looked good last week. He put up 150, nearly 150 yards rushing, but 75 came on one play on a broken play. Davis Mills has not looked all that sharp. Nico Collins hasn't taken the step up that I thought he could. There's a lot of question marks about this Houston team. If this Jacksonville Jaguars team wants to be the team, right, be that team to step up and really kind of make us take notice, these are the kind of games where you don't mess around, right? This is not a get out of here with a win type of game. No, you came off of a loss to Philly after a really good win against the Chargers. You came off of a loss to Philly. Blame it on the conditions. Blame it on the fact that you're on the road. Blame it on the fact maybe you're not mature enough as a team uh, to go out there and win this kind of game yet. Okay, that's fine. But you have the Houston Texans, the worst team in the NFL right now, and they are statistically the worst team in the NFL right now. You have the worst team in the NFL right now. You have the worst team in the NFL with a bad defense, the worst team in the NFL that can't get things going offensively, the worst team in the NFL on the road, and it's a division game, and you're coming off of a loss. This is a game where the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely have to put the hammer down. You cannot mess around in a game like this. I expect big things from Jacksonville this year. Before the year began, in our previews, guys, I gave you Jacksonville to win this division. I told you I thought Jacksonville was a playoff team. I have looked at this Jacksonville team early on, and I said, yeah, they passed just about every test. And losing to Philly is not a bad situation. I, okay, you lose to Philly, no problem, that's fine. And the fashion you lost it in, and the rain you lost it in, and the way things went bad, everything went wrong, and you were still in that game, I like all that. But this is a game where you absolutely cannot take your eye off the ball. This is a game where we're going to see what this team really is, right? I mean, we are really going to uh, see, is this team a real contender or not? And I think that that is a huge, huge telling thing, uh, telling mark for this team. All right, let's talk about Bears-Vikings. This is an interesting line here. Um, Vikings were a 5.5-point favorite after their win. They went up to 7, 7.5, depending on where you're looking. And you could give you, I'm going to give you all good nuggets of information, but stay with me because the last nugget of information has to be included. So the Vikings are one and three against the spread against the, uh, against the spread this year. Okay. They almost lost that game. They should have probably lost that game. Um, I, I looked at the Vikings. Justin Jefferson had a nice line. He dropped a touchdown in the end zone. The Vikings just couldn't get con consistency going. They couldn't get it in the end zone. Field goal, field goal, field goal. The Bears won two and one against the spread. This is a team that just can't get out of their own way offensively. The last five meetings between these two teams, the Bears are one and four against the spread. Okay. Fields was sacked six times. Fields completed 174 yards and a good performance, ran it for 52, yet couldn't get into the end zone. He had one Hail Mary 52 yarder to Daryl Mooney, couldn't get the ball to Cole Komet. He can't get the ball to his playmakers. The Bears defensively gave up 262 yards rushing to basically Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones when we all knew it was going to be Saquon and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones wasn't going to throw downfield. Daniel Jones was without Sterling Shepard. Now, here you go. Justin Jefferson feeling out of rejuvenation. Irv Smith looks pretty good. K.J. Osborne is out there. Or do you run it with Madison and Dalvin Cook because this Bears team just could get run all over? It's pick your poison. Everything that I just told you, everything points to, you know what, Minnesota, Minnesota, and Minnesota some more. But the Bears have been that feisty team. The Bears make you play a style of football that is ugly. You're in this game. The Giants dominated that game, yet if it wasn't for a bad punt, the Bears very well could have won that game. And you're going, how? How did they win that game with these statistics? Because they frustrate you. First of all, the Bears run really well. They, they, they do. Now, Cody Whitehair, their guard, is out of this game. That could be a problem as well. So everything's lining up for the Vikings, Vikings, Vikings. And it seems like we're looking at the early indication about 68% of the people are on the Vikings and the line has continued to rise. I get it. But we have to look at the Vikings schedule and what they've been through. The Vikings were on a Monday night. They lost, obviously, Kirk Cousins because he can't win on a Monday night. They lose to Philadelphia. After that, they travel to London. Okay, so now you're in London. You have that game played. 
You have to come back from London. You don't get a bye week after London. You go not only, it's not only like London or New York, you got to go all the way to Minnesota. So you're going to lose, uh, the, the reports out of Minnesota, they lost two full days of practice days. You want to talk about short week or short week. And now you're going to take on a team that likes to pound the ball, a team that likes to play physical defense, and a conference team, a division team, and you're giving them a touchdown. Look, guys, I get every reason, every reason I do to get it for Minnesota should be the clear-cut favorite here. They should be the clear-cut play. They should have their way with Chicago. I get that. But guess what? The Giants, by all intents and purposes, statistically dominated the Bears. They were within eight points. The San Francisco 49ers statistically should have destroyed the Bears. The Bears won that game. The Chicago Bears were just beaten up all over the field by the Green Bay Packers. I know the final score didn't show it. Justin Fields got in for the end zone, and the Bears were with, would have been within three points there. For whatever reason it is, there's everything's against the Bears, but they seem to play close games, and now you have to take that travel schedule into account when you're talking about the Vikings and what their body clocks are and what they've been through in a football mindset. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more to do for Week 5 right after this on Wagering Week. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? And I know we have our heads fully in football mode, but the baseball playoffs start on Friday. I have the American League division odds here. Tampa Bay and Cleveland, yeah, it's about minus 105 either way, 110 depending on where you're shopping. It is an absolute coin flip between Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Over in the other series, well, the Toronto Blue Jays are minus 175. If you like the Mariners, you're getting back plus 145 on the betting line. That is what are the odds. You know, look, I know that we all... You know, we're all football all the time. I, I get it. And that's that's what we're trying to cater to. But you can make some money in baseball. I, I'll tell you, everybody has always uh, kind of disparaged the Cleveland Guardians this year, but they just keep winning. It's hard to bet against, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, but Cleveland, at that price, makes a little sense. And, and look, Seattle's the feel-good story. Seattle definitely has the pitching. I could see you getting taken them plus 145 on the way back. I mean, that could be interesting taking them at 145 on the way back as well. All right, let's get back into the NFL. Lions, Patriots, 1-3, and 1-3. and three. Patriots put up quite a fight. They are a three-point, three-and-a-half-point favorite here. Like I said, Mac Jones is out. Maybe. We don't know if he's coming back. Brian Hoyer is going through concussion protocol. He might be back. Maybe. Belly Zappi, well, he could be the guy. Well, he looked good. He was 10-15 uh, for passes and 99 yards and one touchdown. He looked he looked perfectly fine out there. And Look, everybody knows what this is going to be. It's going to be the running game. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, they combined to rush 32 times against Green Bay, and they had all kinds of success. Damian Harris, by the way, he scored a touchdown 17 of his last 20 games. And if you look at the Lions, it's very much a tale of two just completely different units. The defense can't stop anybody, and the offense just continues to score, 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 and score. The Detroit Lions are obviously missing some key, key pieces. Uh, DJ Chark is out. Looks like he's going to be back this week. St. Brown's going to try to give it a go, it looks like, early in the week. But again, game-time decision. DeAndre Swift, game-time decision. Detroit's defense is allowing 35 points per game. It's worst in the NFL. But the Lions lead the NFL in yards per play at 6.5. Jared Goff has played really well. And because he's coming from a clean pocket with Penny Sewell and the rest, 14.4 
percent of his dropbacks. That's sixth lowest in the league, and they have been from a clean pocket. Yeah, he doesn't get touched that much. Lions defense, well, second most yards per play. Remember I just told you they had the most on offense? Yeah, second most. 35% of rushing plays against Detroit have results in first downs or touchdowns. That's the highest rate in the league. And now here comes a rushing team that wants to just rush the ball. Normally I say, okay, guys, look, we got to wait for an injury. We got to wait for it. See, is it Mac Jones? Is it, um, you know, Zappy? Is it Brian Hoyer? What's the situation? Look, what we do know is they're going to want to run the ball. And Matt Patricia is going to really want to shove it to this Detroit team. I think there's a personal vendetta there. Everybody has made money on Detroit this year in the betting line. You can make money on them going with them. You can make money on them just on the overs. This has been something that has just been a cash cow. This is one of those Bill Belichick type of games, though, that scares me. It scares me because Bill Belichick might devise a plan to absolutely just frustrate everybody on this Detroit team. I, I am not sure at all if I could sit back and I could say, yeah, you know, look, I feel very confident taking New England here, uh, but there's no way I could take Detroit, not in this spot, not with all the injuries that are potential. Give me a fully healthy Detroit team, maybe there's some value, but right now they're not fully healthy, and neither is New England for that matter. I just like the Harris-Stevenson 1-2 combination. Seahawks, Saints, Seahawks are 2-2. Two and two. I thought they would be the worst team in the league. Now they're catching 5.5 points against New Orleans, and here we go again. A lot of injuries we don't know about. Andy Dalton looked pretty good starting for Jameis Winston. Winston could be back already this week. Michael Thomas could be back this week. He missed last week. Alvin Kamara was a late scratch in London. He could be back this week. It's all a matter of who's going to be back for New Orleans, but what we do know is that they are a really good defensive team. Now they might be one and three against the spread because their offense has been banged up. It's been out of sorts, but they are a good defensive team. Lattimore can shut down a player, namely anybody in this league, and we've watched them be able to get after it with Hayward up the middle. They can get after a lot of guys. They're going to have to against Seattle because as bad as Seattle has been, and Seattle came in and they were bad against you know as as a running team, and you looked at Rashad Penny wasn't even getting seventy yards a carry, uh, seventy yards a game, and his carry numbers were down, and, and made people were calling maybe it's time for Walker. Well, he went absolutely off. A lot of that is a product of the Lions, but a lot of that is also a product of Geno Smith. They put up 48 points last week. That's not a fluke, guys. Geno Smith is on pace for 4,407 yards. Geno Smith is on pace for 26 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percentage to 77%. Geno Smith is 5th in yards per attempt. Geno Smith is 6th in QBR. Look, Geno Smith is not the problem here. I mean, Geno Smith is absolutely not the problem on this team. Tyler Lockett, coming into last week, had 11 targets, 11 targets. Last week, had a pretty good game as well. You're going to need a good game out of Tyler Lockett because they're going to have to throw the ball somewhere else because I do expect Lattimore to go one-on-one with DK Metcalf, which means you're going to have to find Tyler Lockett. And it all does come down to Rashad Penny. Are they going to be able to get success running the ball with what I could say is an improved offensive line defensively? Outside of Jordan Brooks, this team can get passed on all day. But uh, do you trust Andy Dalton without weapons? Uh, that's why we have to wait and see. If Winston comes back and he's got Thomas, he's got Kamara out of the backfield, look, this line might look like a joke. But right now, you have to wait to find out about those guys. Dolphins are still 3-1, and one, even though despite their loss. Jets are 2-2, two and two, even with their comeback win. Miami is a three-point favorite. And I look at this game and I go, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction of what the New York Jets did last week. Yes, Zach Wilson looked good. Wilson came in. He's got new complimentary pieces. Wilson in the fourth quarter gave the New York Jets their best offensive quarter since 2009. Wilson in the fourth quarter was 10 of 12, 128 yards, and a touchdown. He looked absolutely fantastic. Wilson really did give them some energy. On the other side, there will be no tour. And everyone's paying attention to the idea that there is no tour for bigger things than football. That's perfectly fine. But in a football straight context here, Teddy Covers is called Teddy Covers for a reason. They call him Teddy Covers for a reason, guys. This quarterback is an absolute goldmine for people that bet on Teddy Bridgewater. He's been great. Since he's entered the league, Teddy Bridgewater is 42-21 and 21 against the spread as a lifetime starter. He basically covers two of every three games. 
He's sitting at 66.6% cover rate. Actually, he's even better than that at 80% cover rate. He is 24-6 and on the road in his career. As a matter of fact, he's even a winning quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, that's something Justin Herbert can't say, by the way. Teddy Bridgewater is 33-30 and in his 63 starts. And Miami has absolutely owned this matchup. They are 7-1-1 against the spread the last nine meetings. They're 4-0 against the spread the last four trips to MetLife Stadium, so it doesn't matter where they play. And you look at the X's and O's of this, and you go, okay, everybody loved Miami, and then they had a loss to the Bengals and lost to it. Okay, I get losing to it, but Teddy Bridgewater, I just gave you all the numbers for. But look, some spots, I just talked about the Vikings, right? Some spots in the NFL are more than just X's and O's, and you have got to understand that these guys are actual people out there. The Miami Dolphins played against the Bills in 95-degree weather where everybody was talking about that they couldn't even breathe because the weather, if you've ever been to down in Miami, that weather is so thick you could almost chew it at times. 95 degrees. They were on the field for 90 plays. Then they watched Tua stumble off the field, There was a controversy if he should even be able to go for the short Thursday night game where they had to travel to Cincinnati, a team with their backs against the wall, on the road, lost their quarterback in that game. It was just a perfect storm for Miami to lose. Now they have extra time to rest, to get Bridgewater up and going. The Jets' defense is simply bad, okay? Their secondary is terrible. Tyreek and Waddle should have a field day. It doesn't matter that Teddy Bridgewater's throwing them the ball. And oh, by the way, that Dolphins defense that maybe has shown cracks in the armor and maybe doesn't look all that great. Well, who have they faced so far? Well, they faced Lamar Jackson, who's probably leading the MVP race. Josh Allen, who's probably second in the MVP race. And Joe Burrow, who led his team to a Super Bowl last year. So I have a little confidence in the Dolphins defense that they can step up and be much better than what we've seen when they take on Zach Wilson in the New York Jets. Falcons and Bucks 2 and 2 2 and 2. Who would have thought that these two teams would both be 2 and 2? Tampa Bay's 8-point favorites in this one is down from 11. The Bucks looked atrocious on Sunday night. The Tampa Bay Bucks looked as bad as I've ever can remember seeing them in this incarnation with the Tom Brady Buccaneers. The Bucs allowed 41 points. They moved up and down the field. Patrick Mahomes insulted them, basically. I mean, it really, it was a terrible showing. And it wasn't just Mahomes. It was a running game. It was everything. They looked completely out of sorts. The Falcons, meanwhile, they're 4-0 against the spread. The Falcons looked pretty good. The Falcons all of a sudden started to go, you know what? Mariota and Drake and Pitts. And, and you know, we got some things going. But... They lost a huge piece in Cordell Patterson. And you could tell me that this kid, Algier, could come in and Caleb Huntley and all these randoms could come in and tote the ball and be okay. But what I've watched over the last two years is this offense runs through Cordell Patterson. And Cordell Patterson is the guy. I don't care that he's 31 years old and not really a running back. He's the guy. I think they have a big drop-off there. The Falcons also have struggled to, co- to cover against the Bucks. The Bucks are 5-2 and two against the spread. Their last seven meetings. Yeah, that is a problem as well. By the way... Tom Brady, 42-17 and 17 against the spread on return of investment. That's off of a loss. Tom Brady, 48-12 against the spread off of a loss as well. This Bucks team is the first team since 1991 to rush for three yards or less and score 30. Brady's just going to throw it all over the field. Now, you have Godwin coming back, which is pretty big. You have, you know, you had Mike Evans look as good as he has. Mike Evans has caught a touchdown 30 or 35 games he's played with Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette is going to get a little running room here because you can run on Atlanta. This has the makings of a game where everyone's going to be on Atlanta because Atlanta keeps cashing tickets. And everybody's going to be on Atlanta because you turn around and you go, yeah, you know what? Uh, they're cashing tickets. They're doing well. Uh, but this has a classic get-right game for the Bucks. I think their defense is insulted. I think that that you look at a Levante David, a Devin White, and the defense with a Vita Vea in the middle feel insulted. On you know primetime TV, they were humiliated. Their defense was. It wasn't their team. It wasn't their offense. It was their defense. This is a game where I think that Marcus Mariota is in for a world of trouble. And I know it's an inflated line. I get it. And you kind of want to take this this Falcons team that just keeps fighting and gritty and grimy and all of that. I, you know, I can't do it. Not in this spot. I, I know that we just watched the Bucks looks bad. But this has classic, classic bounce back written all over it. 
Titans, Washington. Titans saving their season now. They're they're at two and two. Washington seeing it slip away at one and one or one and three. I'm sorry. Tennessee was supposed to be a one point underdog. They're now a two point favorite. Why? All because what we watched last week. All right, okay. Derrick Henry did look good. He has looked good for the last two weeks. Told 147 scrimmage yards. I get that. And the Titans are a team that, you know, is starting to look good against a commander's team. Yeah, look, they're pretty bad. Carson Wentz has gotten sacked more than anybody else in the league. Threw two picks last week. Had a 56 passer rating against a Dallas team that just comes with that great defense. Washington's 1-3 against the spread. 3-8-1 and one against the spread. The last 12 following a loss. And the commander's are scoring for less than 24% of their offensive drives. That's 31st in the NFL. They just don't score. We remember that Carson Wentz had seven touchdown passes through the first two weeks, right? Well, that's a long ways away. But I have a problem going all in on the Titans here, and I have a problem because they just simply don't have a passing game. People in the stands in Nashville are calling for Malik Willis because Ryan Tannehill just looks bad. And it's not just his fault. Uh, Robert Woods looks a little slow. It doesn't look like he's come back. They don't have a tight end that they can count on. Derrick Henry, while as good as he can run, is not exactly the most reliable guy out of the backfield. And Traylon Burks is now banged up, who was supposed to kind of fill the void of A.J. Brown. This team, you can tee off on. Plus the fact that you've got to be able to get after Carson Wentz. And remember that Landry went down in the preseason. Landry was their big pass rush guy. I still think Tennessee is the better team, okay? And, and I think that Tennessee may still be able to correct this. They certainly have a good coach. I worry, though, that there's too many moving parts to correct this quickly. I'm not sure that Tennessee uh, can correct it in this manner. Now, you can sit back and tell me that Derrick Henry could go absolutely crazy. Last week, his over-under in the sports books was 71.5 yards rushing. I uh, Yeah, look, <laughs> you know, I, I'd be jumping all over that. I, I, I did last week. This week, I expect it to be higher. You got to just run Derrick Henry. But I will say this. For all Washington's problems, last week, they decided we will not allow the Dallas Cowboys to beat us on the ground. We will 100% stuff that run. And they did. They did a real good job of it. If they do that here, they got a chance to win this game. All right, Niners, Panthers, Niners 2-2, two and two, Panthers 1-3, and three, Niners are 3.5, or uh, we're supposed to be 3.5-point favorites. And they go out there, they win against the Rams, everybody likes them, now they're up at a 6-point line, getting 6.5 in some spots as well, over the Panthers on the road. Now look, the Panthers are just bad. Look, the Panthers are just bad no matter what you talk about. They're 3-15 and 15 against the spread of the last 18 overall. Panthers at home, 7-20-1 and one against the spread of the last 28 games. They just can't cover the numbers. The Niners, by the way, 7-1 against the spread of the last 8 against NFC teams. The Niners, though, do have a problem on the road. They have a problem traveling. They lost to Chicago on the road. I know, look, it was a messy game. It doesn't matter. Still lost that game. They lost to, to Denver on the road. Yeah, messy game. But what do these games have in common? Not only are they on the road... But they're good defenses, and this Carolina team is a good defense. Now, they might be without Jeremy Chin, which is a bigger deal than most people are going to make about it. Yeah, sure. I also go with the idea that Matt Rule is up against it here, right? Matt Rule is about to lose his job, which means Baker Mayfield is also about to lose his job. Baker Mayfield had more batted balls than any other quarterback by three. He's got 10 on the year. And that shows, uh, you know, his size and everything else. Donald's going to be healthy in two weeks, okay? So you have a team playing at home, getting nearly a touchdown, another team coming off of a short week, a big emotional division game. You have that team that has lost three games by 15 total points in Carolina. Their back is against the wall. Matt Rule may lose his job. Baker Mayfield may lose his job. And all of a sudden, you know, you're getting a lot of points. This is one of those uh-oh type of situations where if Jeremy Chin was healthy, in this game, I'd be all over Carolina. Because he's not, I'm a little hesitant, but I keep seeing this line inflating and everyone's on San Francisco. I'm a little hesitant to jump on board. Eagles, Cardinals. Eagles are the best team in the NFL, according to their record 4-0, and according to the eye test, they are as well. Cardinals plus 5, 5.5. This was supposed to be in the preseason. Cardinals were going to be a three-point favorite, but we know getting here has changed a lot of things. Cardinals are 0-7 against the spread the last seven home games. Phillies 3-1 against the spread this year. The Eagles have scored 24 points in four straight games. It's the first time they've done that since 2017. They had five takeaways last week, the most since Christmas Day. 
2017, right? You start to look at this and you go, yeah, it, it, it's kind of an interesting scenario that they're only getting five points. But I think Murray's starting to find himself. Look, Murray's got to use his legs. He just has to. He's got to use his legs to be effective in this game. And you saw, okay, James Conner, maybe he's lost a little bit, but, you know, Benjamin's kind of stepping up. They need to find something else. But Marquise Hollywood-Brown, he does look good. Maybe Arizona's kind of starting to find their footing. I know it was a Carolina game, but it was on the road. It was an East Coast game. It was against a good defense. I get all that because the Cardinals, yeah, they look good last week. Now, the Eagles got away with a win against Jacksonville in a game that maybe could have been bigger than that was, but they did make some mistakes. The Eagles got a, an eight-point win with five turnovers. That's not the crispest game from the Eagles. Now, they were able to run on a Jacksonville team that had held Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler to 59 combined total yards. So you do like the idea that they could run. You do like the idea that this team can not only run, they could also pass, and they could play good defense. The Eagles should be favored here, but I think that this is one of those uh-oh moments, right? This is one of those spots where the Eagles are starting to read their own headlines. The Eagles are 4-0. The Eagles are in a position where you go, okay, you know what? They're a very good team. Now they have to travel across country, even though it doesn't work from east to west like it does west to east to take on a Cardinals team that plays well at home. Kyler Murray can be a disruptive guy. I am not going on the Eagles. Now, I, you can't you can't convince me to go on the Cardinals because of what I've watched from the Eagles, and I do think that they are the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, but I, I can't go on the I can't go on the Eagles. Not in this spot. I think this is one of those big letdown spots. I think the public can get eaten alive in a game like this. Cowboys, Rams, Rams, we watched it on Monday Night Football. Something is wrong with the Rams. The Cowboys are doing this by defense, defense, and defense. The Rams, oh, they're going to be giving four and a half points to this Cowboys team. We don't know who the quarterback is. Dak Prescott said, okay, I want to come back for this game. We don't know if he's going to. Cooper Rush is 3-0. Maybe they hold him out a little bit longer. Dallas is 5-0 against the spread the last five games on the road, so that helps out. And Dallas is going to be able to pressure a team that has absolute problems. Look, you can talk about this all you want, and you can try to work your way out of it. Outside of Cooper Cup, who is, by the way, absolutely fantastic in every way, shape, and form, he's the best player in football outside of the quarterbacks because you got to give the quarterbacks you know, the tip of the hat here. But outside of quarterbacks, he's the best player in football. Cooper Cup is everything that you want from him. Outside of that, Matthew Stafford doesn't necessarily look hurt. He looks lost out there. He looks like he's looking for answers. Um, Allen Robinson is certainly a, a basically a wasted guy out there. They don't know what to do. They're missing OBJ. They're missing Van Jefferson. Uh, ben Skowarnik is kind of their number two. Is it Tyler Higby is their number two, maybe? Well, they can't run the ball. Cam Akers has been terrible. Henderson's been bad. The offensive line is banged up. The defense, even though Wagner and Dar Darnold, uh, Donald, Aaron Donald, and Ramsey look good, Outside of those three, you could take advantage. You could throw on them deep. You can break tackles on their front line. We watched Debo do it all day. The Rams are a mess, guys. They really are a mess. But we don't know who the quarterback's going to be in Dallas. And we also know that as good as Cooper Rush is putting up a 3-0 start, the Rams have the talent to shut this team down. If they blanket C.D. Lamb, one of the best things I liked about Cooper Rush is that he's getting the ball to C.D. Lamb out in space. If you can take away that option, and it looks like Jalen Ramsey can do that, well, now he's going to have to go to the secondary guys, and he's going to have to try to get a run game going against the one thing that the Rams can do, which is kind of slow down the run game. And I know Wilson had a pretty decent game against him, as did Debo. But they, you go Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard. Look at what they did against Washington last week. My first instinct here was to take Dallas all day long. But the Rams are still the Rams, and the Rams still do have some talented players that are just matchup nightmares. You can't stop Cooper Cup. Last week, the sportsbooks put up Cooper Cup for that Monday night game at eight and a half catches, by the way, plus 110 to the over, and 94 and a half yards. And he went over and laughed at them for it. Cooper Cup has been dominating absolutely day in and day out. He can win games by himself, and you could get if you could get anything else from the outside guys, anything else from an Allen Robinson, anything else from a Tyler Higby or a Cam Akers, and this could be a, a tough game. Look, I think. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys have a a lot working for them. 
I do like the idea that Cooper Rush, uh, you know, has come in and he's performed adequately. But I think we know if the Dallas Cowboys really have big, giant dreams this year, they're going to rest on the shoulder of Dak Prescott and on the health of Dak Prescott. If Dak comes back for this game, maybe he's the enthusiastic push that they need. But if Dak comes back from this game and doesn't perform well, aren't you kind of doubting this if you're in that clubhouse? Aren't you kind of doubting the whole situation? That is something to think about for the future. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Let's talk about the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Micah Parsons, plus 200 coming back there. Miles Garrett is 10 to 1 odds. Rashawn Gary, 10 to 1 odds. Nick Bosa, 12 to 1. You can get Aaron Donald at 12 to 1 as well. Max Crosby, 25 to 1. Von Miller, 25 to 1. Khalil Mack is 30 to 1. TJ Watt, even though he's going to miss so much time, 30 to 1. Shaq Leonard, who's missing this week, 50 to 1. Bradley Chubb, 50 to 1. Jeffrey Simmons, 50 to 1. Devin White, 60 to 1. Mika Fitzpatrick, 60 to 1. And Jalen Ramsey is 60 to 1. That is bet to the future. Yeah, they took Joey Bosa off the board, which, you know, yeah, yeah of course. But they left TJ Watt on the board. Um, out of this, look, I think it's really, really, really hard for a defensive back to go out there and to win a defensive player of the year. So. You know, Fitzpatrick, Landry, I, I think you got, got to cross those guys off of the list. Uh, Leonard's going to miss too much time. Of course, KJ uh, TJ Watt is going to miss too much time. Mack is an interesting one at 30-1 to 1 because he's going to have to fill in for Bosa. But I don't know. He's now going to get double teamed, so I don't see that. Crosby hasn't gotten off to a start that I thought. Same thing with Simmons, and, and, and Chubb has already missed some time. Devin White is an interesting one. Devin White at 60 to 1 has me thinking a little bit. Uh, Aaron Donald, you could always throw in there. Before the year, I told you guys Nick Bosa at 12 to 1. Uh, before the year, I, I said, take Nick Bosa. He's still 12 to 1. I still like him. I'm not changing a thing on him. So, uh, you know, to me, it's still Nick Bosa. But if you want to take a shot at a Devin White, I can't blame you. I can't. I, no, I really can't. Can't get on you for taking a shot at, at a Devin White here. All right, guys, we got the primetime games left. Bengals, Ravens are both 2-2. Two two. Both got here very differently. Bengals had a rough start to the season. Ravens had a rough end to the last two games in the fourth quarter. Ravens are a three-point favorite in this one. Look, in the last five trips to take on the Ravens, the Bengals are 4-1 against the spread. Cincinnati is also 6-1 against the spread the last seven road games overall. They travel really well. And the last time they saw the Ravens in this spot, this team put up 41 points. The problem with the Ravens right now is they have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. Now, I know that the Bengals have a terrible offensive line, so maybe that won't be the case here. But they have not shown any consistency of being able to get to the quarterback without using the blitz packages. And when they're blitzing, they're leaving the cornerbacks one-on-one, and the cornerbacks have just not played well. I mean, that's just reality. So now you come in and you get a team that has a weak offensive line, but one-on-one, Jamar Chase, one-on-one, Tyler Boyd, one-on-one, T. Higgins, is a nightmare for this Baltimore team. On the other side, even despite last week and all the the problems that they had offensively in that game, even though they led most of the way, uh, this Ravens team is still scoring about 30 points a game, just under 30 points a game, which is good for third best overall. They got J.K. Dobbins involved early. He's got two touchdown touchdown runs. I expect him to not only get involved into more running situations and get more carries, but I expect him to be part of the passing game as well and open up things there. Devin Duvernay has opened up a little bit, and I know Bateman's dealing with an injury on his foot, but Lamar Jackson has been kind of that guy. Got to get Mark Andrews involved. Last week, going into the fourth quarter, he had one target. He finished with two catches and 15 yards. Got to get more from him in a big game like this. I think that this is one of those classic shootout games where the Ravens say, hey, by the way, we are this good of a defense, this good of an offense, and we don't care about the defense. Watch us just go up and down the field on you. And Cincinnati saying, oh, is that how you want to play? Burrow going, yeah, okay, we can do that. I think that this is the shootout that everybody thought that the Ravens and Bills were going to be. Instead, I think it's going to be this game. And we watched a couple of these games last year. We've watched success against them. This is a tight one. Uh, the Ravens are the better team, but two collapses in the fourth quarter. You have to wonder where their headspace is. you got to wonder where Lamar Jackson's headspace is. I'm the best player out here. I'm playing MVP level. I need some help from my teammates. You wonder when that starts to kind of grind on him and get to him. You also have to wonder about the questioning of uh, Harbaugh. 
Last week, he had a really questionable call. Instead of going for three, you know, for three, he goes for seven because he just thought that Josh Allen was going to move down the field on his defense. That's how little faith that this guy has in his defense. And this head coach is just looking at the defense and going, well, you guys are just not performing. You guys are just not doing what I, I think you should be doing. That's a bad, bad situation. It's a bad omen. All right. Raiders, Chiefs, Chief looks, they just looked fantastic, man. They really did. And I, all offseason, I talked to people and they all kind of chuckled at the idea that all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid wouldn't know how to play football without Tyreek Hill. The Raiders come in at 1-3. and three. Their backs were against the wall. They got their one win after 0-3. Chiefs are seven-point favorites here and they should be. The Raiders came into last week. The team with the least amount of rushing attempts, the least amount of rushing yards. They just couldn't run the ball. Well, Josh Jacobs went absolutely nuts. 144 yards rushing last week. Yeah, that was pretty huge. And that opened up everything else. Now, Carr is not playing at an elite level, and he's just peppering Devontae Adams with pass after pass after pass. He is forcing it in there. But other guys are kind of stepping up. We watched Mac Holland step up. Here, Josh Jacobs stepped up. Darren Waller needs to get involved. And if you start to get Waller involved, and then when Renfro comes back, maybe something can be salvaged here from this Raiders team. The problem with the defense of the Raiders, and I said this in the preseason, I talked about this on my Vegas show, um, the problem with them is that if you don't get to them with two dynamic pass rushes, and they do have two dynamic pass rushes, Crosby and Jones are great. If you don't get to the quarterback with those two dynamic pass rushers, the secondary is just a sieve. The secondary looks bad. They didn't do enough to improve it. Even the middle over the, the linebackers are decent linebackers, but they're bad in coverage. So you could pick this team apart. Well, here comes the Chiefs. The Chiefs that pick everybody apart. The Chiefs that have uh, just options galore, and especially over the middle of the field with a guy like Travis Kelsey. Last week, all three tight ends scored touchdowns. The Chiefs, though, what happened last week was the second coming of uh-oh, if you're the rest of the league, because the Chiefs were able to run block. The Chiefs' offensive line allowed 117 yards before contact on the ground. That means they were allowing 117 rushing yards before somebody got touched. This is against Levante, David, and Devin White, okay? This is the most rushing yards that the Bucks have allowed since 2018, guys, okay? And then you go to the history of this. The Chiefs they have absolutely dominated this Raiders team. Besides putting up massive numbers, 40 points, 35 points all over the place, they are 5-7 and seven against the spread the last seven eight times that these teams met, and 5-1 and one against the spread the last six at Arrowhead. So this is a tough, tough game for the Raiders. I know that the Raiders sort of saved their season last week. I get it. The Raiders needed that win. They had to get that win. They got that win. They stepped up in a tough spot. And people want to talk about their resolve and want people want to talk about their commitment and all that stuff. Guys, it's a different animal going on the road in Arrowhead, Monday Night Football. It's a different animal facing somebody you've never been able to really have success, sustained success against. It's a different animal facing a team that's playing as well as the Chiefs are right now. I think the Raiders are in for a world of hurt. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me and do it for week five. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.